happy Father's Day to everybody and uh, it's great to be together online. Um, today's a family service, we're going to be celebrating together, enjoying this day together and ultimately uh, celebrating who God is, our Father, uh, but also celebrating all of the men in our church. We've got loads of things happening, there's going to be a quiz, we've got some worship, we've got a guest speaker bringing a word to us this morning. On the chat there is a link to some kids activity sheets that you can use during the talk. Uh, we want to try and include everybody this morning, um, so uh, please download that. But we're going to start by praying and then we're going to go into a kid's song straight away. So let me just pray for us all right now. Prayer that I read this morning uh, by uh, Phil Togwell, who's the director of prayer spaces in school. He says this in his prayer that I just wanted to read this morning to us. It says, for new dads and granddads, stepdads and adoptive dads and solo dads, for boldly ones and beardy ones, skinny ones and cuddly ones, for dads who tell, tell terrible jokes and dads who dance to YMCA, for dads who know how to fix things and dads who just pretend they know how to fix things. Your father to the fatherless, we think now of those for whom this day is sadder than it is happy. Those who feel they have failed, those who are grieving children they've never had, those missing their dads or their children, even more than usual, Father of mercy, heal our many hurts and restore the dignity, the strength and the integrity of fatherhood in our families, in our communities and in our nations. Amen. We want to celebrate men this morning on this Father's Day. Come together and celebrate all that they are part of our community. Um, so we're going we're gonna to start kids you can join us. This this morning is going to be for you as well. So we're going to start by singing a song that's all about rainbows. This season has been about rainbows, rainbows on uh, pictures, on windows. And so we're going to go back and remember the first rainbow, that promise of God uh, to humanity, a reminder to himself. And through scripture, we see the rainbow declaring God's glory. And so we're going to stand. Let's jump around. Let's sing this song this morning, Rainbows.
pray with those that have prayed for generations our father in the heavens hallowed be your name lord you are our father lord whether we acknowledge you as our father or not whether we're visiting this morning just knocking around online and just click on a button and end up on a service whether we feel like this is a safer place than being in a church building, whether we long to be together, wherever we are on our journey with you and our journey with church. God, I thank you that this morning you accept us, not because of how good we've been, but because we've been singing, you paid the price. 
and you accept us based on what Jesus has done. That perfect sacrifice that ended all sacrifice. And Father, today we, we come and we remember and we celebrate, just as we've seen that you are the giver of life. You are perfect love that casts out all fear. Your light that says darkness go. You give hope. You restore. You bring healing. Body, mind, soul, you bring complete healing. You put the breath in our lungs that we can sing and declare who you are. Your father to the fatherless. You bring the brokenhearted into families. So we thank you this morning and we praise you. Father of fathers, we praise you. Lord, I just ask this morning through all the fun, through the celebration, Lord, you'd, you'd pour out your presence into the lives of every person watching right now. That you'd grace us with your presence on this day. That we would know, we'd know who we are in you. We'd know who you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If we were together right now, you know, I just want to tell everybody, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say they are the best smelling person that you have smelt this morning. I think that's something we would do if we were together, um, but we're not. So hopefully somebody's doing that somewhere and you are telling somebody how amazing they smell this morning. Uh, if you don't, then just pretend uh, and we'll go with it. But I hope you're up for a little bit of participation this morning. I hope that you're going to get your typing fingers out on that chat because we're going to have a little bit of a quiz. We're going to try an online Father's Day quiz, which is going to fall very flat if you don't uh, participate in the chat. So I'm going to read out. We've got 10 questions. You're going to keep your own score. And I will give a shout out to the person who submits the score that is the highest at the end of this quiz. Is that OK? I'm going to assume you're all nodding and you haven't just left me uh, on my own. So hopefully you'll uh, submit some uh, type in some answers to these uh, questions. But we're going to start with a really easy one for our Father's Day quiz. OK, here is the first question that will come up on the screen. And it says, when is Father's Day? So when is Father's Day? And don't put today, don't be trying to be clever and put today, but an easy one. Is it the third Sunday of June? Is it the 4th of July? Is it the last weekend of August or the second Tuesday of March? We've got lots of A's coming through. We've got, I think A is the popular answer. I'm glad to see that people are participating. Thank you very much. This is the easy answer. We are going to go with today is the third Sunday in June. Correct. Well done, everybody who put an A. Uh, lots of A's coming through there. That's great to see people participating. So we're going to get a little bit more complicated now. OK, so you should all have. <laughs> Thank you, Scott and Laura, that I need to do better. That We're starting easy. We're going to try and start easy. I want to give everybody at least one point. So here we go. This is the second question. Let's see if you're going to be thinking it's just as easy. Here we go. Who first celebrated Father's Day? So was it A, the Ming Dynasty, B, the Romans, C, the Europeans, or D, the Americans? So question two, so anything that comes through now is to do with question two, is it A, B, C, or D? We've got a D coming through, the Americans, lots of the Americans, D, oh, very good, D. Oh, I might have given it away there. Uh, D, D, is it, oh, D, everyone's saying D. My hint was a little full there. I'm afraid to say the answer is C. It was the Europeans in fact, it was actually the, the Catholic Europeans that first started celebrating. Oh, we got a B. It was, in fact, 
see the Europeans. So here we go. Question number three. In Germany, Father's Day is known as what? A, Men's Day. B, Daddy Hour. C, Papa Week. Or D, Father's Month. Where are we going? Some disappointment on that last question. You all fell for the first person. So whoever puts the first person, first answer in is going to be the influencer. So we've got a C for um, Papa Week. Any other C? Some C's coming through. B, Daddy Hour, liking it. C, C. So we think the Germans like to celebrate this for the whole week. I mean, I'm, I'm loving that. We've got an A from Scott and Laura, an A from Nigel and Fiona. The answer is A. It is Men's Day. So that's the third answer is A. Keep a track of your scores. It is A. Oh, the people coming through with the answer now have given it. <laughs> I love it. A. Here we go. Right. So the fourth question. I like this one. This is a true or false. So you can go true or false. In Tibet, it's a father's trade tradition for the men of the village to tickle each other until the weakest one starts to cry. Is that true or is that false? A, true, B, false, or you can just put true or false, whichever you think it is. Is that true that the, 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 the men of the Tibetan villages tickle each other until the weakest one starts to cry? We've got lots of trues coming. We've got a D, which is interesting from the youngs. Thank you for that. <laughs> the D of an A or B answer. Loving that one. Uh, B, we've got a few Bs. We've got a lot of A's. The answer is... False. Come on, it's false. It's not true, I'm afraid. That is not true. As much as we would love to see some Tibetan monks having a good little tickle, it is not true, I'm afraid. It is false. Right, here's one for those that like their sweets. Uh, which logo is this? Any guesses on a logo there? I think we've got some hints that will come up for you. Yeah, there's some hints there. So is it A, drumstick, B, Rolo, C, twirl, or D, kinder surprise? People knowing their chocolate bars here. There's a hint that it is a chocolate. I think this looks pretty unanimous. Oh, Phil, you don't know your chocolate bars very well. D, 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 D. Oh, there's a few C's. Twirl. Yes, it does. It's the colour of purple, isn't it, in the background? It is, in fact, Kinder Surprise. Well done for those that put, uh, <laughs> put a uh, D for that. It was Kinder Surprise. Here we go. So we're on question one, two, three, four, five. Question six. Come on. Four more questions to go. Question six. You just got to say what you see. I feel like that TV program. Is it catchphrase? Just say what you see. No hints coming up yet, Phil. Just say what you see. Any any guesses before we get any hint? Oh, there's the hints. That's all right. Uh, dairy day. Uh, yeah, dairy dry, milkshake, gloop, wobble or sip dog. Have we got any uh, C? Lots of C's. Gulp, wobble, that classic phrase. B, the gears, liking that gears. Well done. B. It is, in fact, B, milkshake. See what, say what you see. You see a person drinking some milk and a dog having a little shake. It's a milkshake. Good. I hope you're keeping your scores because we've got another logo coming up. I'm loving that participation here. People are getting into this, I can tell. Here's another logo coming up. We won't put any hints up yet, Phil. Don't put any hints up. So um, what logo is this? Anybody before we... <laughs> oh, we've got an answer from someone. Fruit salad, whisper. Anything else coming up? B. <laughs> we haven't given the options yet. Here we go. Let's put some options up then. See if anybody thought fr fruit salad we've had a few of. So it is either A, fruit salad, B, jelly tots, C, Mars, or D, hubba bubba. I like saying that, hubba bubba. Or, or D, whisper. 
if people are convinced it's whisper we've got lots of fruit salads it is a fruit salad well done for those that i don't know if they're still available i don't even know if you can still get them but there they are fruit salad yummy yummy for those that know the kids songs uh so here we go the eighth question yeah here we go eighth question in thailand what day is father's day celebrated on is it on the thai queen's birthday is it on the last king's birthday is it thai new year or is it the first of every single month a b c or d got some d's going on there the first of every month b's some b's and d's some more b's Lots of bees coming through there. I can see a lot of bees. Well done for everyone who put a bee. You've got it right. It was the last king's birthday. So whoever the last king was, it's their birthday that they celebrate Father's Day on. Okay, here's one for the kids. So uh, see which kids want to answer this one. Um, which of these would make the best Father's Day present for your dad? A mug that says worst dad ever on it. Half-eaten donut painted gold. A nice card that you made yourself or a pair of trousers he already owns, but cut up into pieces, which would be the best gift for a father on Father's Day. A, uh, a mug that says worst dad ever. B, a half eaten donut painted in gold. C, a nice card that you made yourself. Or D, a pair of trousers he already owns, but cut up into pieces. We, uh, some people were happy we have A, B, C or D with that. It's just anything's a winner today, I guess. We've got some lots of C's. I think C would be a nice gift, wouldn't it? A nice card that you made yourself. Do you know what? There's something for you to do this afternoon. If you're at a loose end or you're bored, then you can make a nice card. Uh, but here we go. Final question. It's a say what you see one. So we're not going to put any hints up yet. We're going to see if anybody can get this last one. No hints. Let's see if anyone can figure this out before we put up any hints. Just say what you see. Whatever that program is, just say what you see. Oh, we've got, do you know what? I didn't get this to begin with, but people, Church, you've nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Look at that. It is donuts. I am so, Dobolt or Dobolt is also a, a legitimate answer. We were going to put some hints up for you, but I don't think they're needed. We were either going to put baking screw, donuts, bread nails, or knead bolt. So well done. You have got the right answer with donut it is B, donut. Give yourselves a round of applause. Very good. So if you want to submit your scores, we're going to sing another kids song now. And during that, if you want to submit your scores, we're going to give a shout out to whoever gets the highest scores. So please be truthful. Jesus is listening. Be truthful. Put your scores in while together we sing this great song. I love you. So we'll sing that and then we'll uh, see who the winners are. And she 
Jesus looks inside my heart of who I really am. I might have knobbly knees, squeegee tongue, hairy toes, and a wiggly thumb, but Jesus says to me, that got 11 out of 10 i'm sorry but uh well done for being um lovely with your scores there but um ace ray fay i think you are the winner any advance on nine ace ray fay if you'd like to submit your your full name uh, I, I haven't quite deciphered who ace ray fay is so if you want to put your name on there if not then a huge shout out to ace ray fay um, because I think you have scored the top score for our 2020 Father's Day quiz. Everybody give Ace Ray Fay a round of applause. Um, winner for the first Father's Day. Well done. So, um, congratulations. Uh, there's no prize other than a shout out. There are going to be some prizes in a moment, though, because... Uh, woohoo, Ace Ray Fay, well done. You you got your uh, you got your shout out. Uh, congratulations for winning the Father's Day quiz. We're going to move on now. We're going to uh, show you a, a video in a minute of a challenge that I set some of the guys at church into. So well done for those that responded and took on the Father's Day challenge. Every year we have a, a competition and we've had some injuries in the past. I want to thank Ian McCarthy for not suing us a couple of years ago for the injury that happened during the relay race uh, where there's a blame, there's a claim. So thank you very much for not uh, not uh, suing us for that one. Um, but this year we did a challenge and we put it out there. And so we're going to watch the video of those taking this challenge on and then I will announce the winner after the video. So Phil, can you run the VT for us. Got it here. I'm going to do this milk challenge. It's a long time since I drank a, a pint on a regular basis, 
but my the only thing I've got is my son's litre. So to make sure I'm doing it right, Maureen's going to focus on by pint of milk. If you'll see the measurement. Right, so I'll put it in the in the cup. Gotta travel a little bit away to come there. So one, two, three. Oh, I can't drink any more of that. Need some help. You sure that was the soya milk? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Honestly! <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Cheers! Just a couple more minutes, hang on. Well done everybody who took part in the milk challenge. I'm impressed, I gotta say. There was some uh, there was some great submissions for this year's uh, men's challenge. So I'm going to say um, everyone who who took it seriously, uh, do you know what you, you did? There was some impressive times. I have calculated exactly uh, to the nearest uh, millisecond who was the winner because it was pretty close. So I want to give a shout out to Nathan. You were very, very good, but I'm afraid not this year. Colin, if it wasn't for that pause, you know, you'd have been on the podium, if not gold. So um, let me just say, I'm going to do it in reverse order, uh, saying the person in third place. So this is third place. You get the bronze medal. Ian Hesketh coming in with 10 seconds, 0.13. That is an impressive time. There was a bit of spillage, so I took that into account as well. Um, but well done. 10 seconds, 0 0.13. I'm impressed. In second place, Eddie came in at second place with eight seconds and 74. That, I mean, almost two seconds quicker. Eight seconds, 0.74. And he tells us he doesn't drink a pint regularly. I'm not sure. So in first place, there is no fix. I like that, Eddie, you milked it. Nice, like like the pun. In first place, here we go. Announcing the winner of the 2020 milk competition. It is none other than our very own Philip Howe, the councillor of Stratford, coming in with an impressive 
0.42 seconds. I mean, that is impressive. Well done, Phil. Can we can we get you up on the screen? I don't know if we can. Phil, can you just maybe take a bow and show yourself on the screen? I don't know if that's possible. Uh, I don't know whether he can or not. He's behind the scenes typing away and doing loads of stuff this morning as he does every week. So massive thanks to Phil for that. But he is the winner. We are the champion, Philip Howe. And there is a prize coming your way. And it is the only chocolate bar that would be appropriate for the milk challenge. And it will be socially distanced, left on your doorstep this week. And it is a bag of milky bar buttons. So the milk challenge 2020, well done to you, Philip Howe. Everyone give him a round of applause. Very good. I am impressed. Phil, I hope you're proud of yourself, mate. You've got to achieve something in life. And drinking a pint of milk in 7.42 seconds is something to be achieved. Guys, just before we move into the word, there's a, a download um, that we'll post again right now into the chat, a download for our Father's Day kids activity. So if kids, if you want to crack on with that, we've got a guest speaker coming in a few moments who's just going to give us a brief word this morning around Father's Day. Um, but you can download that and there's some colouring sheets, word search, a little activity crafting that you can do this afternoon. That would be fantastic. Uh, just to say as well, I want to thank you for those that are regularly giving into the life of the church. Obviously, we've stopped our um, gatherings on a Sunday. They're now all online. So those that are still able to give into the life of the church, we exist through your offerings. And so thank you. Uh, we're able to help more and more people and you're keeping things going. So I want to thank you for your giving. If you're able to give, there's a link um, in the chat there right now. And other than that, just to remind you, next week we have our post-service catch-up. We're going to try and see if we can break people down into some smaller groups so you can really get a chat with each other for you know 20 minutes after the service just come together if you're visiting and you've been online the last few weeks please do join us this isn't just for those that were part of church before lockdown if you have been with us um uh, during lockdown then please you can come onto that zoom call everybody's welcome young and old and we'll have a good catch up with each other and be able to see each other next week but uh, other than that, we're going to hand over now to uh, very excited that we've got Dr. Keith Warrington back. For those that remember a few months ago, Keith joined us and shared a word. He's going to bring the word this morning, uh, Father's Day message from Keith. So I hand over to Keith right now. Hello. I'm very happy to be with you today when we're going to explore a tragic story, but one that's got a very happy ending. It relates to a situation where a father is absent from the story, and so he can offer no support or help to his wife or indeed his son. But Jesus takes the place of the father, the absent father, and brings transformation and hope. And he hasn't changed. So let's read the story, and my wife Judy will do this. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 16. Jesus went into a village called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gates of the village, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the village was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then Jesus came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, 
Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus presented him to his mother. Then all came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up amongst us, and God has visited his people. Thanks, Judy. So who's recording this story? And why did he record it in the first place? Well, it's Luke. And he wrote his gospel about 30 years after Jesus had left this earth. And he's writing mainly to non-Jewish people, people who are aware of many gods, but they don't expect anything good from them. They're not good enough to receive benefits from the gods. Now, Luke's very interested in people, especially those who are marginalized. And that includes women, who in the first century were viewed as second-class citizens. So it's no surprise that most of the stories that are unique to Luke concentrate on individuals, especially those who don't have significant status in society, just like the woman in our story. You see, Luke's got a plan. It's to show that Jesus has come with good news for everybody, but also including those on the fringes of society, including those who have an absent father. Let's see how he does it. Well, first, before this particular story, Luke records another one. This time, Jesus heals a centurion's servant. Now, as a centurion, he's very important, but he represents the pagan power of Rome. He's in charge of a hundred legionnaires, but they're an object of hate and fear. And of course, he's not a Jew. In other words, he's not worthy of Jesus' time. And he knows it. In fact, Luke tells us that Jewish elders of the village affirm him as if to say, Jesus, we know he's a Gentile, but he's a good man. Please help him. And Jesus does, even though he's a marginalized person. And Luke is setting us up with a question. Can anybody else benefit from Jesus, especially somebody more marginalized than this centurion? And so we're introduced to the widow of Nain. So let's revisit the story. Now, the resurrection of the widow's son is uniquely recorded by Luke. It's very special for him and for his readers who aren't used to a God who's interested in people, especially marginalized people. But also, this is different to the previous story, because the widow's son isn't dying like the centurion's servant. No, he's dead. And Jesus has never done this before in Luke. Or he's healed a leper and a paralyzed man and the centurion's servant who was dying, but this widow's son is dead. And Jesus has never done this before. It's a big ask. Can he do it? But then, why is the name of the village mentioned? It's not often mentioned when Jesus goes to different places. This time it is. It's Nain. Now, interestingly, Nain is a Hebrew word and it means beauty or lovely or green pastures. It represents a pleasant place. Really? In these circumstances of death and despondency? 
Also, it's not an important place. In fact, Jesus only goes here once. But why go at all? You see, so much has already happened in the place that Luke has mentioned before, Capernaum. Lots of miracles had happened in Capernaum. A demonized man was transformed. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. The centurion's servant was healed. Jesus had healed other people in Capernaum. He'd healed the son of an official in the king's court. It was in Capernaum that Jesus had enabled his disciples to catch fish miraculously. Capernaum was the place to get healed. Capernaum was the place to be to see something miraculous. Nothing happened in Nain. Capernaum was the ministry base for Jesus after he left Nazareth. It was where he taught regularly in the synagogue. It was where he preached his sermon on being the bread of life. But now Jesus goes to Nain. Why? It's only mentioned here in the Bible. Capernaum is mentioned 16 times. It was a busy, important trading center, but Jesus travels a long way from there to get to this tiny village, Nain, 50 miles. It's a long way to walk. Why does he do it? What's so important about Nain? Well, it's very interesting. The people who lived in Nain had moved from another place called Shunem, which is a few miles away, a town that no longer existed by the time of Jesus. The people of Shunem had decamped to Nain, a little village that only exists in the time of Jesus. Is there anything interesting about Shunem that we need to know about? Well, yes. It was in Shunem that the Old Testament prophet Elisha raised another son from the dead couldn't happen again, could it? Then a mother goes to Elisha because she believes he can help. No, he's not convinced he can help, and he only goes with her because she insists. But he knows he's out of his depth, and he is. But he tries to raise the son back to life, but he fails three times. But on the fourth time, the resurrection occurs. Now the question is, can Jesus do better He's never done it before. Well, let's check out our main character in this story, this lady. Well, first of all, and obviously, she's a woman. But remember, that means that she's viewed negatively in Jewish society, morally, intellectually, socially, religiously. She's a second-class citizen. How will Jesus respond to her, who owns this low status? But then she's a widow. Now, a widow in Jewish society was actually associated with shame and reproach, as if it was her fault that she was a widow. The fact that tithes were to be given to widows and that they were not to be mistreated indicates their vulnerability. Generally, widows were not eligible to inherit their husband's estate, and any future remarriage of a widow was not looked on very kindly. Oh yes, this lady, this widow of Nain, is a most marginalized woman with no husband to help her, no father to walk by her side. And now she's lost her son, her only son, her only son who has died young. 
She's already lost her husband, and now she's lost her only son. And no father holds her hand. No father walks this path with her. Her situation is desperate. There's no male member in her immediate family to support her. Her vulnerability is clear for everybody to see. <laughs> no one asks Jesus on her behalf, like the centurion did in the previous story. For this lady, there's no father standing by. And her grief is further emphasized in that following normal procedure in the first century, the son has probably died that very day, and that's why the body is being taken to burial before nightfall. And after that, there'll be 30 days of mourning. The start of a so sad month is about to commence for this woman. She may have wondered, what did she do to deserve such a calamity? Why had God allowed it to happen? Well, she's soon going to find out that God himself has come to her village specifically to resolve the situation in the person of Jesus. Luke doesn't want us to miss her importance to Jesus, and so he refers to her seven times in the story. Why? Because Jesus cares for the lonely, for those who have no father to stand with them. Now, where does Jesus actually meet the woman? Well, interestingly, it's at the village gate, which, by the way, is where Elisha met the woman whose son had died. Jesus, the giver of life, meets death personified in the corpse, and they meet at the boundary gates of the village. You see, bodies were to be buried outside villages, and the meeting occurs at the threshold of that final journey, a journey away from the village which represent home, and a journey to the place where she'll say goodbye forever to the only male left in her life, and her trauma will be complete. But Jesus changes her direction and changes a hopeless journey from her house to a hope-filled journey back home. Well, what does he actually do? Well, Luke tells us that Jesus saw her, and the tense in the original Greek indicates a decisive glance. He wasn't looking at the crowds. He saw her. And the word that is used by Luke is also interesting because it's not the normal Greek word for seeing. No, the word used by Luke refers to someone who sees, but at the same time they understand, they perceive, they know more about the one that they're seeing. And Jesus truly knew her situation. Nobody told him. He didn't need anybody to tell him. He knew more than what he simply saw with his eyes because he saw right inside her and he saw her despair. And that's our Jesus. No wonder that Luke tells us that Jesus had compassion on her. Interestingly, compassion is rarely used of Jesus, and it's mainly of crowds. This is the only time Jesus is described as having compassion on an individual. Here, uniquely, Jesus has compassion on one person, a woman, a widow who stands without a father standing by her. But there's something else. Luke also tells us that Jesus went out of his way to meet her. 
And the word that describes this is used by Luke eight times to refer to people coming to Jesus. This is the only time that it's used of Jesus going to a person. Jesus goes to her. She doesn't speak. She just weeps. But it's Jesus who functions center stage. It's his words that are recorded. He takes control of the situation and resolves the trauma. It's all about her. And how does he fix the situation? Well, first he says, don't weep. It's the only time when Jesus says to an individual, don't weep. And you can only imagine her consternation when this stranger suggests that she should not weep at the death of her only son. Why would he say that? Unless he's hinting that something is about to happen that would mean that she need not cry any longer. And then, shockingly, he touches the coffin. Why does he do that? He didn't need to touch the coffin for the funeral procession to stop, but touching the coffin was enough for the men carrying it to stop and to be shocked because they knew what it meant. Jesus had become ceremonially unclean. Ah, but that's okay. Because Jesus isn't contaminated by death. He's the victor over death. After all, Luke refers to Jesus as the Lord. He's supreme. And then to prove it, he says to the dead man, arise. Jesus transforms the situation with one word. No prayer is needed. Just one word, arise. And the man sits up and he speaks clear evidence that a remarkable event has occurred. There's no mention of faith on the part of anybody present. No request that Jesus might intervene. No hope expressed that he might. But Jesus doesn't function as the healer of broken hearts only when he's asked to help. And here he takes the initiative and he provides that which no one in the crowd would have ever thought possible. And then finally, Jesus gave her son to his mum, a personal touch. No wonder that the people referred to Jesus as a great prophet. They're probably thinking about the resurrection performed by Elisha. But how great a prophet is Jesus? You see, Luke regularly permeates his gospel with pathos as we get to learn that the majority of people will change their minds about Jesus including those in Capernaum who saw many miracles, but they still rejected Jesus. Would the people of this village be any different? But they also conclude this. They say, God has visited his people. Now, that same concept is used just once elsewhere in Luke, where it refers to a prophecy in which God is to visit his people in order to redeem them. And here, Jesus takes on that role, fulfilling that prophecy, and it's a marginalized woman who's the recipient of this gift. You see, Jesus is not just a prophet through whom God works. No, no. He's God himself come to transform someone who has no concept that he might even want to help her. And he's come in person, and he's the same today. Jesus, the Prince of Life, travels 50 miles to a marginalized woman whose life has been robbed of everyone worthwhile, her son and his father. 
And there are disciples with Jesus and crowds of people with Jesus, but interested in them? No, he's not. It's this one woman that he speaks to, not to the disciples, not to the crowds, not to those who've come with her, but to her. And as she re-enters the village, her future beckons her with hope. And it's Jesus who's made it possible. By the way, the following story records a moment when John the Baptist asks Jesus, are you the one that we should be looking for, or is there another? And as readers of the story, we say to John, absolutely, he is the one. Follow him. He's wonderful. He's on your side more than you can imagine. And that's the message of our story. Whatever our situation, whether we have a life partner or not, whether we have a father or not, whether we live on the fringe of society or not, whether we know Jesus or not, the point is he knows us. And he has a plan for us, and it's this, to stand with us, next to us, to stand beside us when no one's there, and to do us good, whether we have a father or not. That's our Jesus, then and now. And remember, just as with this woman, he was already on his way to her. She just didn't realize it. And Jesus is with you now. Of course you can't see him, but he's there. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your desire to transform our lives, whether we know you already as our friend or not. So we ask you to walk with us. Thank you that you know our situations. Thank you that you want to partner us today. Come into our lives in a new way I pray. Amen. Christ is my reward and all of my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that can ever satisfy.
everything I need. Thank you, Lord, that you are enough. Well, whatever we look to that is not you will never satisfy, will never bring the healing, the wholeness that we need. I just wonder, maybe you're, you're watching for the first time this week, maybe you're regularly online and you just need to respond right now, right where you are. I encourage you right now. You can just pray a very simple prayer right where you are. Young, old, it doesn't matter. Family service, it doesn't matter. You say, Jesus, give my life to you. I don't even know what that fully means, but something is stirring right now and I want to respond. And acknowledge that death could not hold you. My sin was not enough to weigh you down. Instead, you died for it and rose over it. So I can know a relationship with a good, good father, the perfect father, on this Father's Day 2020. I want to encourage you, if you want prayer for anything, there's a little prayer request button. You can hit that. Maybe you've just prayed that prayer. Maybe just hit that and just contact us. We'd love to pray with you, journey with you in that. I want to encourage you. We're still the church. Even if we can't be together, we still support each other and we're still here for each other and for our town. And we're for, for you. And I know God is for you. Dad. So whether you are a new dad, a granddad, a stepdad, an adopted dad, a solo dad, whether you are a, a, a mum, a, a young couple, wherever you are, youngest to the oldest, whether you feel like you failed, whether you feel like you're ruling and reigning, Jesus is with you today. And as we prayed at the start, I pray his presence today will be stronger for you as we journey through this life with him. I'm going to hand over to Skylar now, who's just going to close our service in prayer. But know this week that Jesus is with you and that he loves you and that he is for you. Skylar, will you close for us in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your never-ending faithful love. That whatever our emotions are today, whatever our experiences, you are a good, good father. Today, we especially pray for the men of OCC and give you thanks for them, young and old. Bless them and grant them wisdom. We pray for young fathers, newly embracing their role as a dad, and that they may find the courage and perseverance to balance work, family and faith in joy and sacrifice. We pray for our own fathers, who have supported and challenged us. May they continue to lead in strong and gentle ways. We remember fathers around the world, whose children are lost or suffering. May they know that the God of compassion walks with them in their sorrow. We pray for men who are not fathers and yet still mentor and guide us with fatherly love and advice. Thank you that in your church we find a home that has every race and generation, male and female. Help each of us to love and serve you daily as we love and serve each other. In Jesus' name, Amen.